Hey, welcome to week number two uh, of our series called Fresh Air. I want to just uh, shout out everybody joining us on our online campus. We're so glad that you took the time uh, to connect with us uh, through technology. Last week, Pastor Randy did a great job kicking off this series, talking about the choice and uh, what what kind of crazy church was that that his friend went to with all those rules and regulations? Certainly left me wondering when I viewed it online, the, the message as well, but he did a great job. Before we jump into the message this week, big announcement I'm excited to make. I want to introduce you to our newest staff member uh, here at Valley Christian Church, Drew Bleakley. Uh, he is our tech director joining us. We're real excited about it. Uh, as you can see, he has some previous uh, ministry experience at a church in Anchorage, Alaska, and actually moved out here last summer, been attending the church, he and his fiance since then, and uh, had an opportunity to bring him on board. And so uh, all things tech related, he, he's mindful and responsible for all those. And by the way, little known fact about Drew, only guy I know who literally has a corporate sponsor for his beard. No lie. That's a fact. Corporate sponsor for his beard. And if you haven't met him yet or the beard, make sure to introduce yourself next time you see Drew around the Valley campus here. But we're jumping into the message week number two today. uh, And and, and I want to talk about really some end time attitudes. If we're going to have like this, this just breath of fresh air you know spring is in the air you know I had to pull out my short sleeve shirts and all temperatures are going up pollen count going up glory to God thank you for allergy medicine uh, and uh, all of those things but but if we're going to have kind of just like a, a fresh start here in this springtime when everything is just blooming uh, we need to just realize that the Bible actually predicts the closer we come to the second return of Jesus Christ, there are going to be some end-time attitudes that uh, are, are, are really rotten attitudes. And this list that, that is for us in Scripture, and all my notes are on our website there. You can check those out, valleyny.cc. Uh, but, but look at these end-time attitudes. It says, before the coming of Christ, the second coming, listen to how people are going to be acting. Sounds a lot like uh, the nightly news. Uh, so 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1-4, through 4, it says, But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. Now that word terrible is kind of interesting in the original language. It's only used one other time in the New Testament, that particular word in Greek. And, uh, and it's used to describe... Uh, a guy who is possessed by demons and, and terrible, they did terrible things to him. It's the same word there. In other words, it's saying in the last days, there's going to be demonic times. And this is what is going to be visible uh, to the naked eye uh, of a result of that. It says people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, And then look at these especially, ungrateful, unholy, without love or unloving, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And man, I don't know about you, that sounds like our culture today. 
I think we are. People ask me sometimes, do you think we're close to the return of Christ? I, I think we're getting real close. I think the signs like these are becoming very, very evident. The second return of Jesus Christ. And, and so this, this sounds like, you, you know, just what is the prevailing attitude? Oh, of course, I'm not talking about your attitude or my attitude, right? Wink, wink. That, that it says there's going to be this, this demonically inspired raunchy attitude that people are going to have and specifically kind of let let me boil it down here first of all it says they're going to be ungrateful ingratitude in other words it's going to be people are, are going to have this feeling of what's owed to them all the time this 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 idea of uh, privilege because i'm a lot this is what humanity owes me this is what my country owes me this is what my parents owe me this is what my community owes me ungrateful 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 then it says it's going to be unholy what does that mean to be unholy the word holy in the bible always means set apart for god holy doesn't mean perfect it means set apart that, that as God's followers, you and I are supposed to be holy. It doesn't mean perfect, but it means there's supposed to be a contrast between the life of a Christian and someone who does not have faith in Jesus Christ. And the reality is for many regular churchgoers, there's no difference at all except the fact that they go to church for an hour a week. And, and, and that's not the way it's supposed to be. Jesus said, you're the light of the world to his followers. You're, you're the salt of the earth. There's supposed to be a contrast between the light and the darkness, between the salty and, and those that no salt at all. And so unholy means there's no difference. We're not set apart. There's no noticeable, definable difference between someone who claims to be a Christian and someone who doesn't. You know, we all have things in our life that, that we struggle with. That's why it doesn't mean perfect, but, but it does mean becoming more like Jesus all the time. And, and so it, in the end times, these end time attitudes, ungrateful, unholy, or how about this, unloving. Unloving. Now, what's interesting is in, in that passage, there is an emphasis on loving the wrong way. It says that there will be lovers of themselves. There will be lovers of money, not lovers of good and lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. So, so what does that mean? Ultimately, real love comes from God, and love is always directed out towards others. The world's love is always turned inward. It's about me. It's about my time. It's about me time. It's about me, 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 me all the time. It's always self-centered, worldly love. But the God's love, agape love, is always directed towards other. It's always sacrificial love. It's always love for the good of the other person, not what's good for me. That's self-centered love. Agape love is sacrificial love. It's unconditional love. But it says people will be unloving. And then finally, they'll be unforgiving. They'll be unforgiving. Boy, if you and I are, are going to breathe in the fresh air, the life that God wants you and I, the, the, the Holy Spirit life that he wants you and I to live in on a regular basis, we've got to learn to forgive. Because Jesus showed us how to forgive. 
as he hung on the cross, paying the price for your personal sins and my personal sins. When he said, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. No one gave him an apology. No one took responsibility. He wasn't waiting for people to come clean and, and, own, and you know, own it. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Hallmark to a follower of Jesus Christ, part of the character uh, of any follower of Jesus is that we're supposed to be the most forgiving people on the planet. Unforgiving. Ungrateful, unholy, unloving, and unforgiving. And the reality is, for you and me, it's more up to you than you realize. It's more up to me than I realize. These are all attitudes that we choose or we choose not to be a part of. The life that God wants for you and I, Jesus explained the contrast in this life. In John 10, 10, where he says, the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. The real fullness of life is only known in a relationship with Jesus Christ and allowing that Holy Spirit, breathing in that fresh air of the Holy Spirit, and allowing the Holy Spirit to change our attitudes and our outlooks, our priorities, and our character. And so I want to share with you some good medicine for end-time attitudes. Some, some good medicine for end-time attitudes. First of all, Proverbs 17, verse 22 says, A cheerful heart is good medicine. Just to, just, even that, just to be cheerful. It's about our attitude. No one can make you have a bad attitude. No one can make me have a bad attitude. It's a choice that we make. In fact, I've heard it put this way before. John Maxwell, great uh, leadership uh, expert, really, really, and uh, learned all his leadership, pastor in a church for 25 years in San Diego, California, uh, New York Times bestseller like 10 times over. Uh, he put it this way, uh, your attitude determines your altitude. Your attitude determines your altitude crummy attitude, guess what? You're not going to go very high in this life. A cheerful heart is good medicine. How about this in Nehemiah 8, 10? It says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And joy is different than happiness. Happiness is based on circumstance, happenstance. That's where our word happy comes from, outward things. Joy is an internal thing. Doesn't mean we all have to be perky and smiley all the time. But, but joy this comes from, from God, and that's our strength. That's what he wants for you. That's what he wants for me. And, and so let me give you four solutions now as we talk about good medicine, four solutions for the uns, for ungrateful, unholy, unloving, and unforgiving. Here's the first one. Make a choice every day. The choice, you choose your attitude. I choose my attitude. Make a choice every day. Look at Psalm 19, verse 14. The psalmist wrote it this way. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I think it's so interesting when he talks about, right, right there he says, the words of my mouth, the meditations, what I'm thinking of in my heart, that, that when they're pleasing to you, you're my rock. You're my redeemer. There's stability in my life. When I make that daily choice of what I say and what I'm thinking about, when it's the things that please you, God, it brings stability. You're my rock. You're my redeemer. Make the choice every day. 
choose a good attitude. You, you know, sometimes uh, people ask, are you a glass half full or glass half empty kind of guy? Uh, I think we ought to just be grateful that we have a glass. Just, just make that decision. There, there's so much of the, you know, the latest and the greatest, uh, you, you know, new iPhones coming out, now all of ours are going to be out of date and all that. I got to get the latest, the newest, the smallest, the, the best, the, the you know, most recently released. There's so much in our culture that's just, just obsessed with that, new, 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 new all the time. We have to make that decision. Are we going to allow, you know, again, that we don't have the latest and the greatest, are we going to allow that to give us a bad attitude, cause us to lose our contentment? And that leads into the next one. We need to develop a, a high appreciation for life. There's just something about, you know, Susie and I say all the time, so much of our, our family, really all of our family, uh, lives in the South, uh, Virginia and, and Georgia, uh, you know, and and one of the things we love in New York, yeah, winters are not the greatest things. We don't necessarily love, but there's nothing like spring in New York. Just, just, just when the flowers start to bud and, and begin to open up, the grass starts greening up. You know, there's just, it's just like, it's just a spectacular time of the year, the four seasons that we have here in New York. Just love it and appreciate it so much. We need to develop a high appreciation for life, and could I put it this way? A high appreciation for an ordinary day. So, so many of us have become just like adrenaline junkies. So it's always like the, the next event, the next vacation, the next trip, the next, the next, the next, that we have a hard time just an ordinary day. And you know, if you count all the holidays up on an annual basis, all the days off and vacation, you're still going to have about 300 plus ordinary days in there. Learn how to appreciate, develop a high appreciation for life. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 10, I don't know how Paul went through all that he did. I mean, he just suffered so much in his life. And you would think the closer you get to God, the less that, that you know, your life just gets better and better, more tranquil. Not necessarily. Uh, there's only one problem with that idea, the Bible. You don't see that with the people in the Bible. But listen to what he says, and, and he gives us a key here. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 10, he says, We're sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, poor, Yet, making many rich, having nothing, and yet, possessing everything. I mean, you could always look, the glass is half empty, the glass is half empty. But Paul always was, yet, yet, I think for some of us, it's time for us to get a yeti attitude. Yet, even though it's raining, yet, the grass really needed it. Even though it's hot, yet, it's not winter, you know, not freezing, you know, yet, just being able to have a yet attitude, a yeti kind of mindset there. It's time to become a yeti. No matter what, what we see going on around us, yet, God is still on the throne. Yet, Jesus is still king. Yet, the best is yet to come. Yet, my sins are forgiven. Yet, I'm healthy. Yet, whatever it is, Paul had a yet mindset. It's time for us to kind of get a yeti mindset and perspective as well. Develop a high appreciation for life. Here, here's the third solution for the uns, 
ungrateful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, find someone to help. Find someone to help. Uh, remember, all those, those, that list there in 2 Timothy where it talks about that they'll be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, that they'll not be lovers of good. They'll be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. All of that is actually internal love that's, that's pushed inside. It's interesting, one of the Greek words for love is eros, uh, and, and the symbol of eros is a snake that's actually eating itself. That, that's what that kind of love is, that inward, it's all about me, it, that it consumes itself, it's self-consuming. But agape, again, the love of God is always outward looking. There's nothing that will change your attitude more if you're struggling with it, having a good attitude. Helping someone that needs your help. Looking for someone to help. Help someone else out. Find someone to help. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 6, it says, And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God's pleased. That, that we need to do good no matter what. You know, you may say, well, I don't have any way I can help anybody. It's not always financially. Sometimes it's a skill that, that you could show someone else that could really help them. Sometimes it's, a, it's knowledge. Sometimes it's just being a friend so that that other person knows that they're not alone. That there's so much that we can do to help others, to do good, and to share from our own experiences, from our own wisdom, share our own time with other people. These are the sacrifices that please God, the Bible says. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10, for God is not unfair. How can he forget your hard work for him or forget the way that you used to show your love for him and still do by helping his children? There is something powerful when you and I lift our perspective and, and instead of looking at all the uns and, and, and being unholy, all those things, ungrateful in our own lives, that when we look to help someone else, we reach out to help someone else in any way, that it changes our attitude. In fact, we want to give you an opportunity here at Valley Christian Church uh, we're, we're getting ready for our summer valley groups that are going to be launching. And, and maybe there's something, a skill that you have, a hobby that you have, an interest that you have that could really help someone else. We, we, we provide one of the core values of our church is helping people to really find freedom. And how do you do that? By connecting with other people. And so it's in our small groups that really we find freedom. And, and these are not necessarily just Bible study groups. They're on all different kinds of topics, uh, really, and, and uh, groups' experiences. Let me give you some examples uh, of, of our Valley groups that are going to be starting here soon. And, and maybe it's time for you to take a step. Look who you can help with an experience or, or a hobby or insight, knowledge that you have, and, and be a leader of one of our Valley groups. These are just a, a, not an exhaustive list of some of the different groups that we've had in the past. Knitting, fitness, running, book clubs, mental health, service groups, photography, cooking, newlywed groups, 20-somethings groups, men's breakfasts, getting together during the summers, prayer groups, marriage groups, men's groups, women's groups, Bible study groups. There's also, you know, all different things that we could do as well that, that maybe you want to start a group. All it takes is three people to start a group, a valley group. You, an assistant, and one other person. 
And you could have barbecue groups, new believers groups, hiking groups, financial groups, a group of teachers. We have so many teachers maybe just meeting together uh, and and building friendship. Uh, Gaming groups, hunting groups, sporting groups, you know, maybe playing golf. Uh, All you need is a foursome. That's a valley group right there uh, as long as someone's coordinating it. And so it's so important that we connect with one another, and it's a way that we really help one another. The Bible says, bear one another's burdens, that we're supposed to love for one another, care one another. This happens primarily, not on a Sunday, certainly doesn't happen online campus, but it can really happen, and it does happen in our valley groups. So if you're interested in leading the Valley Group, I want to just put up on the screen there that you can actually use that QR code right now. If you're like, hey, I want to find out more about leading a Valley Group, uh, you can just open on your phone the camera and it's, let it scan that, click on it, and it'll take you to a little online sign-up uh, to, to get more information about leading a Valley Group. That, that only takes three you, an assistant, and one other person. That's a valley group right there. That's the core. That's the minimum. Three people. And, and you don't have to meet every single week. It's just for the summertime. You, you know, it's whatever really works best for you. But we're going to have some training because we're all about training. We want to coach you up so you have confidence in leading your group. And, and so just take a time. Go ahead and scan that little QR code in. It'll take you to that sign-up sheet, that form online. And, and Fill that out and send that in to us. We'd love for you to lead a group here at Valley Christian Church. And and especially if you're struggling maybe with with, with your attitude, you you know, look for someone else to help. How you can help, how you can connect, how how you can help someone else feel like they they belong. And it's amazing how when when we get our eyes off of ourselves and how can I help someone else, maybe just... Help them enjoy a round of golf. Maybe just help them buy a barbecue. Just helping them connect, feeling apart. It's amazing how all of a sudden our attitude begins to change. And, and as the scripture says there, God's not unfair. He's not going to forget the hard work you've done for him. He's not going to forget the way that you showed love for him in Hebrews 6.10. And still do by helping his children. By helping his children. I heard uh, recently Pastor Chris Hodges, pastor of Church of the Highlands in Birmingham, Alabama, he put it this way, the value of life isn't determined by how much we achieve or accumulate, but of how much of life we give away. That, that there's purpose and, and meaning when we, when we give away our life, when we share our life, when we look, how can I help someone else who has a need? who maybe just doesn't feel a part. How can can I provide maybe a small group to help someone connect and feel a part of the bigger body of Christ? Here's the fourth one. Turn everything over to God. Turn everything over to God. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 through 7 love this it says do not be anxious about anything nothing but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus 
you know, I, I, I'm just so blessed as a pastor of the church. There's a number of, uh, of people, uh, a pretty good-sized group that, that regularly pray, pray for me, pray for my wife Susie, for our family, uh, because not only do I lead Valley Christian Church, lead pastor here, but I have other responsibilities and other uh, ministerial networks and organizations, and so we try to keep them informed on a regular basis. They pray for me. One dear, sweet prayer warrior uh, in our pastor's prayer team, after a Saturday prayer, she came up to me, and, and she quoted this verse to me, and she said, Pastor, I just believe that, that God wants you to know, be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. And it was so timely those words that she spoke to me from from here philippians chapter 4 just so timely that that it just like spoke to my soul really be anxious for nothing do not be anxious about anything and and it's just like i need to be reminded of that at that time it was just perfect timing for me and, and so maybe you need to be reminded of that today don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, by thanksgiving, present your request. Pray. Pray. Pray about it. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard, I love that word, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's interesting, that word guard is kind of like a sentinel. He'll be a guardian over your mind. But, but what's interesting, that word in the original language of the New Testament Greek is where we get our English word umpire from. Umpire. In other words, not only is he guarding our hearts and minds, he's guarding it saying that's out of bounds. That taking on that anxiety, worrying about that, stressing over that, that that's out of bounds for you, Greg. And I had to be reminded of that just a few weeks ago. And, and so I'm reminding you right now, don't be anxious about anything. Let, let the peace of God guard, rule over your hearts and minds, and then we'll have the peace that transcends all understanding. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7 puts it this way. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Cast all, that word is interesting also in the original language of the, uh, the New Testament, Greek. Cast, it doesn't mean like fishing where you cast and it's still connected. You, you know, I, sometimes I go fishing when I go south uh, with my brother Scott, uh, speckled trout, I've gone shark fishing with him before, and, and you cast your line. That's not what that word means. Cast means literally like throw it on them. In other words, you let it go. You don't still have a connection to the rod and the reel. Throw all of your anxiety on Jesus. Cast it all on him because he cares for you. Jesus cares for you. Jesus cares for me. That's why we can throw it all on him and we can let it go. And we can trust him with it. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Last week, Pastor Randy, like I said, did just a fantastic job, and he shared fresh air principle number one, fall in love with Jesus. I want to share with you now fresh air principle number two. Ready for it? We're going to just drink in that fresh air. Just breathe in 
that fresh air of the Holy Spirit, the life that God wants you and I to live, the life that Jesus came that we would have not only forgiveness from sin, but that fullness of life, that abundant life, that zoe life is what the word is there in the Bible in Greek. Here's the second principle. Choose a Christ-like attitude. Choose a Christ-like attitude. Choose the attitude that Jesus had, that we can have the same exact attitude. In fact, let me end with this passage. Philippians chapter 2 tells us the attitude that Jesus had. It says your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. And it goes on and it says, and being found in appearance as men, he humbled himself. He humbled himself. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at that name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He humbled himself. That, that he was God himself, and yet Jesus humbled himself, and that you and I are supposed to have that same attitude, that same mindset of humility. And there's something about when we humble ourselves that, in fact, God puts it this way in the Bible, he resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Grace comes into our lives. Grace comes into your life. Grace comes into my life. When we humble ourselves, and notice that's a, you have to make the decision to humble yourself. I have to make the decision to humble myself. Nobody can do that for you. I can't do that for you. Your mama can't do that for you. Daddy can't do that. No one else can, can humble you. You have to humble yourself. God could humble you, but you don't want God humbling you. Most of the time when that happens, people don't recover from it. We have to humble ourselves. Jesus humbled himself. That's the attitude that he had. He could have claimed, no, I'm, I'm the creator. I'm, I am God. I am divine. Y'all better listen to me or else. But he didn't do that. He humbled himself. He took on the form of a servant. You know, this attitude of humility is so important that we just make that, I think, a regular part of our daily prayer. I try to do that every day. God, I just humble myself before you. I just receive your grace today. Lord, just pour out your grace as I humble myself. I need you. I don't know what the events of this day are going to hold, but you do. You're already there. You see it vividly. I need you, God. I humble myself before you. And I want to walk in your grace today. And God gives grace to the humble. There's so much talk, so much discussion nowadays about, you know, the best version of me, living the best life, you know, and, and all that. Uh, let me just leave this thought with you. Talking about good medicine that, that really help us to not have end time attitudes the best version of you is a humble you you want to live your best life humble yourself you, you want to live a life of fulfillment humble yourself daily before God and, and you watch that he'll lift you up 
when you humble yourself before him on a regular basis. The best version of you, the best version of me, is a humble me. The best version of you is a humble you. That's the attitude Jesus had. That's the attitude you and I need as followers of Jesus Christ. His same attitude by his Holy Spirit that we won't have those end time attitude, unloving, unholy, un unforgiving, ungrateful, but we humble ourselves and he'll lift us up and pour his grace into our lives, your life and my life. It's all by his Holy Spirit. He's the one that can do it. We need to humble ourselves. Would you bow your heads with me right now? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for the example of Jesus. Lord, that, that he took on the form of a servant. He humbled himself. And because you humbled, he humbled himself, you exalted him. God, we just receive your grace today to make the choice every day, to develop a high appreciation for life, to find someone to help, to turn everything over to you, cast all of our cares upon you. God, we choose a Christ-like attitude of humility. And Father, we pray that as we humble ourselves before you, God, that that peace that passes, that transcends all understanding, Lord, we'd experience that in our life. And we'd breathe in the fresh air of your spirit that we need so desperately every single day. Thank you, Lord. And right now, wherever you are watching our online campus, I want to give you an opportunity. If you've not prayed to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord before, that's how this starts. It's not just mental games we're talking about. It's the Holy Spirit living inside of every single person who has received Him as their Savior. That's what happens that moment that we turn from our sins and we receive Him as our Savior and Lord. The Bible says if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So right now, wherever you are, in your living room, your kitchen, break room on the job, maybe you're in your car listening to this, I want to give you an opportunity to just open your heart to Jesus right now. Receive him as your Savior and Lord if you've never done that before. Just, just pray with me right now. Repeat these words after me. Say, Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sin. I turn from my sin today. Jesus, thank you for living for me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for rising from the dead for me. And Jesus, I ask you to lead me, guide me, and direct me from this day forward by your Holy Spirit, and I will follow you. Amen. Amen.